This is Hawkside Guns Podcast. Hello and welcome to Hawkside Guns, and this is going to be excellent. Our our second cast for the year. My name is Sean. I have not bought a gun since November of 2021. Doing well. Uh, hi, my name is Jake. I got one in December of 2021 and was about to get one in January of 2022, but somebody beat me to it. I, I have mixed feelings about those, right? Because it's, it's not cool that somebody beat you to the firearm that you wanted. However, you're not out the cash so it's almost like you were going to buy a firearm, and now you have extra budget. I'm of two minds. First of all, I wanted it, so I'm disappointed. <laughs> this was the VP9, yes? Yes, that is correct. Uh, my uh, The other part that, that's kind of going through my head is the fact that, A, I really just frankly don't need it, and B, can't afford it anyway. So When the hell has that ever factored into a buying decision? <laughs> When somebody else beat me to the firearm and I'm trying to make myself. Oh, you're trying to rationalize. Got it. Got it. Got it. it. Yeah, no, it was probably better off. You're probably better off. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I I am probably better off. But, um, you know, uh, SHOT Show coming up, there are some new firearms being uh, displayed out there these days. That's what I hear. Uh, there, are, uh, I think one of the goofiest looking ones I've seen so far is Springfield actually created a bullpup five five six. I've actually seen that, and it looks as weird as it sounds. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, look, all bullpups look weird anyway. To like a, an, but they always look futuristic for the times and the style. They look super cool. But this one looks well, the, even a little bit more Mad Maxy than they normally do. Like a lot of times with bullpups, they they look kind of I don't know streamlined. Well, the the first thing I thought when I saw this was, is that a Celtic? <laughs> Which is surprising when it comes to Springfield. Well, a little bit. I was looking and I'm like, wow, that's kind of bulgy. Is the best word I, I had for it. I and look, I, I'm exactly a, look what I would call ergonomic. No. No, and I'm sure it's great. I guess it's it's the Springfield. Uh, what is it, Hellion? Yes. Yeah. And 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 apparently with the Hellion and the Hellcat, apparently there's this whole satanic thing going on with Springfield at the moment. I'm fine with that. Oh uh, no no no, I, that's a, not a complaint. That's just a statement and observation. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, naming system. It's sort of like when the Germans named their tanks after big hunting cats. It's like that kind of fits, you know. The Hellion theme with a bullpup rifle, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. But for me, the thing that looks the weirdest, and I know this is going to go kind of outside a little bit. Um, for me, the the raised uh, uh, Picatinny rail that is, I don't know, three inches above the frame. And, you know, it's got that big, just that big rider on top with uh, the ability to have, of course, optics and everything else packed on the top of this thing. It just looks kind of, I don't know. Out of the way? Tacked on? Yeah, something. I, I, I'm i not sure. It doesn't look like it. Like, I've seen other bullpup rifles, and they look more integrated, <laughs> you know? Like, well, you look it, at a P90, it, it, and that's supposed to look like that. You can or, see it or, and go, yeah, that's that's right. Or the, the more universal and generalized one. Think of it compared to a Devore. Now, see, yeah, that looks that looks cleaner. 
And like a lot kind of for lack of a better term. Now, I, I'm sure somewhere along the line, somebody's going to be going to lose their mind when I say this, that somebody came out with it before them. But that's kind of the original mainstream bullpup rifle. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it looks kind of boxy and it looks all integrated and like the system was designed to work as as a unit. <laughs> With the Springfield Heli, and I don't know anything about it, okay? I, I'm going on looks alone, so bear that in mind. I have not had my hands on one. I've never even seen one in real life. I've only seen the videos of them. And it just looks like some. It looks like a Hollywood production designer started slapping parts on guns to make it look slightly futuristic and military E. I, at least to my eye, to uh, yeah, as an artist. Even eye. under those circumstances, you probably have Adam Savage standing off in the corner, going, "I could have done better." <laughs> I don't know. I, to me, it's. And I am not a a uh, bullpup expert, nor am I a bullpup aficionado. I I don't particularly as far they look great. All right, I love the 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 thought of having the ammunition behind the handle and the trigger group just because it looks cool and it's different than anything else. I love odd looking things. However, this one looks more odd than the standard bullpup. <laughs> it's also a bit of a departure to some extent for Springfield because the Springfield has been, though they have their more modern firearms like the XD handguns and um, the Saint uh, AR platform rifles, which are actually really nice. Mm. Um, they're typically more known for their classic designs, i.e. they just came up with the uh, remake of the Browning High Power. They're known they make for a, their... a fantastic uh, 1911 series. Uh, and not only that, when it comes to rifles, they're known for a series of M1s. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, their XD, uh, their XD system of pistols is modern, but uh, kind of conservative, except for the grip zone. Uh, other than well, they that, got rid of grip zone. They got they did get rid of that. I, I, know, um, I, I personally think they got shamed into getting rid of grip zone, but, <laughs> but they got rid of grip zone. Yeah, I mean the the M1A series that they have. Uh, I know they have a uh, synthetic and a a wood stocked version of it. I've shot the uh, M1A uh, wood version, kind of the classic looking version. Lovely rifle. Lovely and rifle. E and even having synthetic and wood versions, they also have classic, both synthetic and wood versions, and very, very modern synthetic and wood versions. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're very – I mean, the um, – I think I th uh, thought – I shot the M1A SOCOM 16, uh, and it, it was uh, – as I said, it was in the, the wood configuration and everything, but it, it had been modernized and had some nice features on it and everything. Lovely rifle. Performed beautifully. I mean, it was it was a 7.62 NATO shot beautifully. I mean, iron sight. Uh, it was a lovely rifle. If I was in the mood or, you know, in the mode for for a an M1, like my dad's a big M1 guy. He loves M1s. He loves old Mausers. He loves kind of all that, that kind of genre. If I was going to spend two grand on an M1, on a new M1, uh, I would totally consider that. I thought it was a lovely gun. But the... Bullpup, to bring that back around to your point, the bullpup, and I know they do have AR-15s. Um, I don't remember what the name of them. Oh, that, those are the Saints. Oh, is that the Saints? Okay, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm totally out of the out of the ballpark on that one. And I know they have them, but 
as you're saying, I think they're more well known for some of their classic stuff and some of their reworked classic stuff. They do have, uh, wow, my my voice just cracked like a freaking 16-year-old. They do have the uh, Model 2020 series rifles. Have you shot those yet? Actually, no. Really? It's neat. Uh, I was looking at that about the time I was doing my new rifle build, the the 6.5 Creedmoor, when I, when I was ripping it apart and doing the new stock with the Boyds and all that kind of stuff. I was going out to a range every once in a while and shooting different rifles. So I shot a, an X-Bolt. I shot some other things. But the, the 2020 Waypoint was a neat freaking gun. This one was, of course, in uh, 6.5 Creedmoor as well, because I was trying to get the feel of like what other 6.5 Creedmoor builds felt like, uh, so I could build my rifle the way I wanted to do it. The 2020 was, was a beautifully performing rifle. The one I shot had a fluted barrel and a, uh, a compensator at the end, and it had this fluted and a bolt. $2,000 price tag? <laughs> it wasn't cheap, but the guy said he paid $2,000 for it without optics. So I I tend to believe them. So it was well, and that but that's really what the Springfield rifles tend to go for is anywhere from about eighteen hundred to twenty four hundred. He put a uh, big uh, you know gold ring loophole on it and it was uh, bigger than the one it came with. Although I I don't think it came with a loophole. I don't know. It might have, but he put a bigger loophole on it and was was plinking at a thousand yards without breaking a sweat. Beautiful beautiful gun kind of modern and all that i just i don't know i didn't see him going into the hellion to be honest i didn't see the bullpup coming out i think the question i'm left with with this one and i know we're not going to get the answer here today is why i don't know is i mean is the bullpup market that big Uh, honestly i don't know i don't think so i haven't personally (laughs) seen it to be that big but that being said I, I could be wrong. Maybe there's something new coming up that we're unaware of. I mean, I, I know that the, uh, I, I mean, like a lot of stuff, you can tell what they were aiming at, right? Like the EMP Ronin or the Ronin EMP for from Springfield. You could, you could look at that and go, they were, they were going after Kimber, right? Oh yeah. I mean, like clearly it looks like a freaking Kimber. The only thing that isn't, doesn't say Kimber on it is the, or the only Springfield. Yeah. So to me, it's it's one of those deals where you're like, okay, I can see where this is going. I can see where the 1911s are going. I can see what's happening with many of their other products. This one, I, I don't know. I, and maybe it's just because I have a complete and total lack of bullpup knowledge. I, I, it, once again, I'm left with why. <laughs> but the other thing that's kind of coming down is uh we've seen that springfield going back to them has reinvigorated the browning high power we're starting to see some of the budget firearms especially the ones that do a lot of cloning out of like turkey uh are also coming up with browning high powers wow yeah mainly the the, the original one that's kind of popped out there is from gerson who is known for making um cloned uh berettas uh, clone 1911s. So, and now apparently they have a clone Browning High Power out there as well. Uh, have you found anybody who's able to tell you why everybody's doing a high power all of a sudden? Uh, I think people are looking a little bit back towards classic looks. I think I don't think it's something that people are planning on carrying or anything of that nature. But if you look at it with the handgun market, when has the last time something truly innovative and new has come out? Hmm. The only thing I can think of is the little itty bitty carry guns that can now carry uh, double stack 10 round magazines. 
other than that, there really hasn't been that much news since they started making polymer striker fire firearms. I, I mean, I can tell you in shotguns that there's been some newer things coming out, and, and maybe not evolutionary, but, you know, like the SX-4 was a big step for target shotguns. It would really kind of reset what is the expectation of a target uh, long-barreled shotgun in the uh, in the market. And now everything is starting to kind of go that way. Um, and, and that's kind of what happened in handguns with the small carry firearms. Right. Uh, other than that, as I said, you got the changeover from the polymer striker fire firearms. There's been some ergonomic changes in grips, and that's really about it. I Cerakoting. I mean, yeah, but I mean, there's great barrels here and there. But. Yeah, I mean, but but as far as as like revolutionary, I mean, I think we've really kind of for a lot of the platforms, like, and you're you're kind of right. I mean, micro carries and 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 your daily carries have changed because they've gotten smaller and they stacked enough nine millimeter in there to make them viable in many different situations. And the gun buying panic really did help those because that's what people are buying. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that, um, the, the panic buying, uh, you're looking at micro carries, handguns first, uh, shotguns. shotguns, yeah, pump action shotguns and automatic shotguns. And then, uh, down the line, even third, uh, is, uh, semi-automatic rifles. Nobody was panic buying lever actions. Nobody was panic buying. Well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you were just, pretty, you were pretty rare. panicking over the fact that they were cool and I wanted one. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, that's frantic buying, not panic buying. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. A little different. I, I got it. Um, that's that's addictive buying. Uh, so I mean, there there was a lot of those. Um, I think during the during the rush, uh, surprisingly enough, revolvers kicked back hard. I mean, Taurus made a killing on well, every the, judge. The revolver they... was a, a very very popular for the people who were new to having a defensive firearm. Yeah, a lot and of just women, wanted something simple. A lot of women got a thirty eight firearm or a three eighty. 380 and 38 special revolvers and 357s, believe it or not, uh, you couldn't even, uh, don't even bother, because chances are a woman had beaten you to whatever whatever you were looking at uh, during 20, 2020, especially and, and probably the beginning part of 2021. They just they just didn't have any revolvers. They couldn't keep them for longer than a day. So, so yeah. So kind of where I think we're kind of going here is rather than new and innovating, which doesn't seem to be available at the moment. Going back to let, let's come up with classic showpieces, things that we're just going to have fun with. Well, there's there's a lot of call for that, really, because they know the Brownie High Power, uh, for whatever else it has and whatever flaws it did have and whatever flaws that the new Springfield version seems to have with uh, some jamming, uh, at least with the, the starting versions. So I'm sure, you know, at Springfield, they'll figure that stuff out and fix it real quick. It was a beloved firearm. Now, the 1911 kind of killed it. Uh, because of the um, fervor that the 1911 has. Well, you know, first of all, the thing with 1911s, especially here, was it was American. Yeah, America. Uh, not only that, but it was America with a big round, <laughs> uh, being the fact that it was a 45 versus a 9mm. Um, and it was more or less the American idea of let's throw a few really big rounds down downrange and just blow the shit out of everything that's in their way versus 
the more European concept of uh, let's just make sure we hit something with as many rounds as we can. You know, not to put too fine a point on it, that's that was the argument that Merca had since. Well, it, f- the forever. funny thing is, it's an argument that's still going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you walk into your average everyday range and scream out nine millimeters the best, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to scream out you're wrong. Oh yeah. No, that's or or, or or vice versa. In fact, it kind of even comes into one of the other things to talk about today is the fact that somebody came up with a new round, and that goes back to my question of why. And what is this new round? Do you this know? This new round is a pistol round called Thirty Super. Thirty Super. Yes. Okay. Now it is supposed to be a bridge uh, round between something like a nine millimeter and then something like a 40 caliber or a 38 special or 357 it's supposed to kind of meet in the meet in the middle there but my question is why well i mean it's obvious that i mean it's a hundred grain bill i'm looking at federal's website 30 super carry uh it's a hundred grain bullet uh hst jacketed hollow point uh it's it's more capacity than and here it is right there more capacity than a nine millimeter more effectiveness than a 380 so you can carry more of them but it's hotter than a 380 so they're really aiming this towards concealed carry i mean that's that's what it is and if if that's the case just looking uh okay here they go okay so in a standard magazine capacity in the same space that it would take to carry 10 rounds of 9mm Luger, you can carry 12 rounds of 30 Super Carry. So you get two more rounds for small magazines. Okay, I can't argue that, but it's it, it kind of goes into who's who's been looking around going, that's what I need. Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> I just, uh... I, I, do, do I understand what the benefits are? Yes. Am I willing to go out and replace all of my carry firearms to get one? No. Especially for a round that is going to be much, much more difficult to acquire in a time period in which it's difficult to acquire ammo than 9mm and 380. It's probably going to be that much more expensive than 9mm and 380. Uh so once again, I go kind of go back to why. I'll I'll go you one better. Who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? Uh, <laughs> there's just reading a uh, uh, a little thing here. There in their frequently asked questions. I I was looking because I my first question after the initial like wh- who's your daddy and what does he do? Uh, who's your daddy? What does he do? Uh, hey, we were watching TV today, and somebody came up with a brain tumor, and both the wife and I were both sitting there going, "Is not a tumor." <laughs> <laughs> People in the thirty are like, "What?" Uh, no. Uh, what gun manufacturers are offering pistols chambered in thirty super carry? And the answer is at the time of cartridge introduction, which is when they did this website, uh, Smith and Wesson and Nighthawk Custom are the only ones. <laughs> Ooh. So if you wanted Smith in shield, like an MP shield or a Nighthawk custom in 30 super carry, you can have one. I, it's it's kind of like when they came up with or not came up with, but reintroduced the 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 five seven round for uh, handguns and pistols. 
which I understand the benefit of it. It's something that will sling a bullet the size of a 22 really hard and really fast. So that'll really screw something up. Um, but it's extremely expensive to shoot. The firearms that you need to buy to, to shoot them are extremely expensive. And once again, why? And, and I, I see what they're doing because, you know, sometimes these rounds are created for a specific purpose and it works. I'll give you two examples. 6.5 Creedmoor. 6.5 Creedmoor is actually in between a 270, which is very common, and a 243. And it is kind of, it shoots really flat and, and will do fine at 1,000 yards. But honestly, if you're hunting under 400 yards, a 270 is better. If you're over. But, but, that, actually, but that actually filled a niche. But, and that's where I was going. That actually filled a niche because there was a lot of target round guys who were trying to lighten a 270 or overcharge a 243 to try and get this round to go or, or you know, to, to do a thousand yards as flat as they could. And this solved a lot of problems. And oh, and by the way, it happened to be a great hunting round. So, he, but but even then, take it take a step further in a different direction. Look at the military. The military is trying to move from the five five six round to a six point eight round. Yeah. Uh, and once again, that serves a purpose. It's heavier. It's the round that they're looking at is going to be faster than a five five six. It's going to be heavier than a five five six. Whereas not being as heavy and clunky as a seven six two. There's and but see not only that. There's also a customer for that the military and there was a customer for the 6.5 right or the 6.5 creedmoor you can't buy one in texas right now because everybody is restocking on them because it's a great round it works for target or hunting the civilian market loves a 6.5 creedmoor uh another example that happened uh, it started happening around 10 15 years ago when 380 auto really you like people started making those small single stack 380 autos and it exploded the market for 380. Now, 380 Auto's been around a long time, but it wasn't... It originally, remember, referred to as 9mm short. Exactly. It's been around a long time. In Europe, they still refer to it as a 9mm short. It, it became wildly popular when they started making a lot of guns that used around going, you know... It worked pretty good for those subcompacts and those micro carries. Why don't we throw? Why don't we do those 380 autos? That's cheap to shoot. Everybody'll like those. And, and but, as it turns that, out, they were absolutely correct. But that was designing a firearm around a existing round, yeah, which I but, understand. But this is designing a round and hoping that there's a market for it. Yeah, but there weren't a lot of ballistic tip nylon 380s. Or no, that's uh, that's true. I mean, and and they did a lot of work on the hollow points and and a lot of the a lot of different uh, uh, overcharged and and uh, everything. Three eighty auto rounds came out after they they it became popular. So I mean, I understand why they're looking around, going, okay, we have to be able to do something different. The um, and I'm guessing to answer to kind of the long way around your question is they went crap. We've done all we can do to jam as many 9mm or 380s in these these hand grips as we can possibly get. The problem is, if you're a 380 person like me, um, as far as concealed carry, okay, we're not talking target, or like my, my target gun or my, my ranch gun is a Beretta 92FS, but that's not what I carry if I'm doing concealed. I do a 380. It's a Taurus Spectrum. Um, I shoot 380, but there's way more people... Uh, especially men who don't want to shoot a 380 because it isn't 
a hot enough round. They want the nine millimeter, and what they're running up against is can't we jam? And and it's and it's one of a changing perspective or a changing um, of what they're looking for in a firearm because capacity is the new sexy. They're looking around going, hmm, uh, we can't jam any more 9mm into these things. We need a different round. Now, that maybe wouldn't be the conclusion I came up with. But, uh, I mean, kudos to them for going, hey, you know, we could, you can... You could add more capacity to an already existing frame just by changing the the caliber. Here's this new caliber. Oh, by the way, it's hotter than a 380. Now, I get that. Well, uh, okay. that's a lot of risk. When it comes to handgun rounds, typically speaking, they've all been generated to to a specific market, uh, and whether that in that being a professional market that was going to purchase a lot of them, whether that was law enforcement or the military. Okay. So I have two things to say to you when it comes to, I don't know. The Creedmoor wasn't, the Creedmoor wasn't developed. The Creedmoor wasn't developed. And that's that's why I specifically said handgun. Oh, handgun. All right. My mistake. My rifle rounds, because you get it, it gets into a much, much different concept because you start talking out about precision and ballistics that you're not necessarily going to be looking at for a handgun round. The handgun round basically comes down to it's over there. Can I hit it? And how hard can I hit it? I'd say that's that's fair comment. Yeah. Okay. So most handgun rounds that have been developed have been developed for personal defense purposes and then marketed to either law enforcement or the military. The 45, the 40 caliber and the 10 millimeter. All, but once again, both uh, marketed towards law enforcement. So I have two things to tell you about uh, two two statements to make with regards to handgun rounds that did not come out with a specific niche and a specific thing, and that's my two statements are the 357 Sig and the 45 Gap. Ooh, yeah, well, that's that's well spoken. Uh, <laughs> in the where are they now files, let us look at 45 Gap, y'all. 40, 45 gap was a completely useless concept. No question of the sun. And I will debate and fight anybody who wants to tell me I'm wrong about that. Whereas the 357 SIG is a hell of a round that simply never had a market. I like a 357 SIG. I don't oh, no, have no, any I, problem with that. And as I said, it's a hell of a round. It's difficult to find them. Yeah. Well, that's that's because they're overly expensive for what they are. Yeah, and if you're doing 357 SIG, I mean, it's a very specific application. I mean, it's a law enforcement handgun for all intents and purposes. Absolutely. I mean, that's but, that's but really at that what point in time, what it was meant for was a competitor to the 40 caliber. And at the same time that it came out, you started getting the more innovative nine millimeter rounds, so which are argu- arguably more shootable. I, I would say arguably because I don't want to get into a massive flame war in email and, or Twitter and that's or why anything. I, and that's yeah. why I said arguably, because I'm uh, sure there is someone out there who thinks that a 357 Magnum is more shoot, excuse me, 357 SIG is more shootable than a 9mm. And, and, and for them, I am sure it is the perfect round. I am not arguing that it is an excellent round. Um, my point was is that there wasn't really a market for them when they introduced them. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody else... Uh, you know, and, and this is, I, I think, part of the problem. Uh, at the time when that was introduced, uh, if you wanted punch, you'd step up to a 45 cal, right? 
uh, or 10 millimeter at the time. You'd step up to a 10 millimeter or 40 cal or 45 or something like that. If you wanted the capacity, you go to a nine millimeter. And then when they started coming out to hot nine millimeter rounds that were significantly faster and, and packed a little bit more punch, heavier grain, that kind of thing. Uh, it really kind of killed the market for 40 Smith and Wesson or, or something like that. Um, or 10 millimeter, but the 10 millimeters, again, you're, you're to your shootable point. I mean, take, take a, a tried and true you know, target, uh, target shooting law enforcement officer and put a, a nine millimeter, any nine millimeter in his hand or a, uh, uh, 10 millimeter. And he is going to hold a better group at longer distances with the nine millimeter. You just are. I mean, and, and not only that, if you've got it packed right, loaded right, and stuff like that, you're not worried about getting bystanders on the other side of the person you shot. Yeah, or three people behind him, you know, uh, depending on what kind of round you're using. So I don't know. Oh, actually, I know who it's aimed at. It's aimed at the civilian subcompact microcarry market because it's it's capacity. That's really the problem that it solves. It's more powerful than a 380. At least that's what they say. It's more powerful than the 380, so that means they can uh, get the round on target with pretty decent energy and velocity to to satisfy the people who were. I mean, because uh, you're talking about 300. And, uh, I'm looking at this chart here: a 9 millimeter Luger HST from Federal with 124 grain round delivers the energy of 364 foot pounds. Okay, that's uh, and it's moving at 1150 foot per second. Okay, the 30 Super Carry is 347 foot pounds, so a little bit under that. And move it a little quicker with a 100-grain bullet, 1250 foot per second. So it's a little faster, but less energy. And to be be fair, I'm going to assume that the person who was shot with one is not going to go, okay, that was less, that was three less foot pounds. (laughs) It's a flesh wound. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was, it was 15 less foot uh, foot pounds, you know, or whatever. Uh, I, I, yeah, I I don't think they're going to care. Whereas like a 380 auto. Uh, comes in at 223 foot pounds, so under, you know, over 120 foot pounds less and moving at uh, 1030. Now, I would argue, and this is just me, that in a normal situation, if you get hit with a 380 or 9 millimeter, it is, it is bad. <laughs> Okay. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do your father proud, and I'm sure there's there's varying statistics on that one. But do you want to know what one of the most popular well popular is probably not the right word most utilized round in homicide uh, in uh, firearm homicide is uh, 32 caliber, isn't it? No, it, well, 32, and or not only that, at 22. Yeah. So we'll do your dad proud with that one. I mean, because obviously you know, everything in North America has been brought down with a 22. I'm like, yeah, hey. dad. Well, let me give you this, this Tomcat and you go hunt bear with it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to use a 44 mag. Thank I'm you. Pretty sure that your dad was hunting that bear with that 22 from a few hundred yards off. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and it just pissed him off. The bear just looked around and went, huh? <laughs> what? What was that? Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, like a 22, you will die. You just won't die right away. <laughs> you know, when you get hit in the heart with a 22, you're dead. 
it's or, just hell. You get you get hit in the in the rib cage, and it gets actually through. What if it if it bounces off of one of your ribs, which is most likely you're you're fine and probably not even going to the hospital. Yeah. However, if it gets in between one of your ribs, it's going to bounce around in there and create a mess of a milkshake that you're that the uh, the emergency room is not going to be able to put back together. Yeah, you're still dead. It's just that you're going to have a a longer fighting back time before you take the room temperature challenge. It, it's not a room temperature challenge. <laughs> I have never heard that before. I'm having, I'm saving that one. Really? Yeah, it's it's fairly common around here. So I I didn't come up with that. I I heard it at the range. I'll be honest. <laughs> but I I just I I I can't. Uh, it's not that I don't think it'd work. I think it would work. I just don't know how often people are going to switch from something. And, and this is the other thing about firearms. Okay. Um, people are very cautious to try things that they don't know will work. Like if you are a gun guy, you know what a nine millimeter will do. You know what a 380 will do, and you will carry one of those two calibers uh, comfortably because you know what it does. Um, 30 Super Carry has yet to be proven, and well, maybe it'll be the hottest thing ever. I don't know, but here's here's in my humble, very humble opinion, what they need to do to get it to work for as a product and commodity. <laughs> Put it in a Glock. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. But what I was going to go with is partially that, which is put firearms that carry it on the shelf. Okay? Yeah, and I mean, that'll always help. Manufacturers to do it. Not only that, they need to put the round itself on the shelf, especially today. And they need to do it at a price that's competitive. Because if you got to pay $50 a box of, for a box of 50, if it's costing you $100 a round, to, excuse me, a dollar a round in order to shoot it it ain't gonna work today dude that is that would be intelligent it's like selling crack right especially right now that'd be the perfect time to do it here if you pay if you 32 dollars for this box of hollow point 380s or 13 for this box of 30 super carry or even pay 25 dollars for a box of 50 range rounds of nine millimeter or 15 dollars a box for 30 super carry yeah if they were to do that and then manufacture the ever-loving shit out of them to the point where you could actually get them yeah it'd sell uh yeah yeah it'd sell in today's market that might not have worked two three years ago no but it'd probably work today so if you can come up with an interesting fire and you're right if the glock and here's the uh uh inexpensive ammo that you can just shoot the hell out of to, to play with it that not only can you shoot the hell out of it, but it's also a good defensive round? Uh, yeah, I think that would work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what their plan is, but, um, man. I, I, I don't think Smith & Wesson is going to do it, though. <laughs> Here. Here's an MP shield and a caliber you've never heard of. <laughs> Here you go. Enjoy that. I, I think, you know, <laughs> you, you got to get it into hands like the Six Hour, Springfield. Uh, Glock. Glock, Beretta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like like brands that people are thinking of buying anyway um, that that have that quality and have, you know, that. Because you're not going to carry a gun that you've never 
I mean, maybe first-time gun buyers or something like that, but um, you know, not you're not going to take the chance on all of it. It's like, okay, here's this manufacturer that I've never heard of. You know, here's Gasol. Uh, here's a Grosson 30 Super Carry. It's like, I don't know what any of that is, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to trust my life. The goes that. for it is, is you, get, you sit there and go, okay, here's a Beretta for $600, and here's a Regard for $400. Can you tell me the difference between the two other than the finger grooves on the on the Regard? Yeah, and the answer is no, by the way. Right, that's, so that's the only thing that Gerson has going for it. Because the Gerson uh, designed firearms that they manufacture for themselves don't even look good. <laughs> they don't even, at, it's at, just, no. At, at least when Koenig did that, they came up with a gun that looks kind of cool. You know, I have not shot one of the the Koenigs. I've got I know people who have them and they use them as as truck guns. They use them out at the ranch and because they just don't care, right? It's inexpensive and Oh, absolutely. And the worst part about it is is they shoot very well. Yeah. I, they don't have any problem with them. Like, yeah, I just I just don't have to care. You know, it's not like I'm bringing, you know, like the Beretta, I make sure it's I mean even though it's very hardy and all that kind of stuff, I I make sure I take wildly good care of it. It doesn't get banked up or anything like that. They're just tossing. diaper when you get home. Exactly. They just toss those canics in a box. I mean, literally, just unload them and just, here, shut them in there. It's fine. Throw it in the back of the truck. They literally throw it. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's in a box. But still, they just don't care. And it just seems to be fine with that. It's it's pretty rugged, uh, all, all things considered. So, I mean, is... Is that uh, a worthy investment? Well, kind of, maybe. If that's what you're going to use it for, I, they seem to love the heck out of it. I don't know. Uh, I've I've never owned one, to be honest. Uh, I, but as far as 30 Super Carry goes, I, I'm going to wait and watch on that one, at least so far. Now, you do know how this tends to go with us. Oh, yeah, it'll be the most successful pistol caliber Not not only that, but a year and a a half from now, both of us are going to be sitting there going, hey, guess what I got? I got a 30 super carry. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it'll completely be like that. Um, I can see the appeal. I mean, it carries more. It's, it's, It's a little hotter than a 380. I mean, it's... What they're trying to do is do the best of both worlds and add capacity to modern firearms and entice the modern firearms to carry it going hey we can solve your ca- your capacity problem okay you can't jam more than 10 rounds on that thing because it goes and it's designed to go in someone's sock all right you you have a 10 10 round wall let me give you 12 let me show you how just you know bore it for this you know and that might work you know i mean because if Smith comes out and sells a whole bunch of MP shields, <laughs> uh, or you know, or something like that, then and because it has a better capacity, you will see everybody jump on it. You will. I mean, then then will come Ruger right after him. Uh, so mm. I, you know, here's here's a security nine and a here's a security thirty, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's it's entirely possible. <laughs> and, and then Glock will be sitting there going, yes, this is our Glock 50 yeah. that fires 30. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's so stupid. <laughs> so you're telling me the Glock 45 fires 9 millimeter? <laughs> exactly. What? Dude, man, I swear my Glock will shoot 9 millimeter and 45. No. Well, <laughs> please don't try to put 45 caliber <laughs> rounds in there. Don't do that. Yeah, no, you have a really bad day. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> yeah, and they would. That's a very Glock thing to do. Uh, with that said, I have discovered what I finally really do honestly want to go for for my next firearm. Oh, no. All right. No, no, no. Actually, actually, Shannon would approve. Oh, Shannon okay. would approve. Shannon would approve. Well, not on the caliber, but you remember me saying that I had all of this extra forty-five ACP in the house that I never didn't have anything to shoot? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And that my criteria was is that I didn't want a Glock, and I didn't want a 1911? Uh, you did say that. Okay. Well, I have found the perfect firearm. For He's me. found his ice cream truck. Yes, he has. And it is the Walther PPQ-45. Oh. Are they still doing that? Well, I've seen them suddenly popping up. I think they're trying to get rid of the last little bits of the PPQs. Now, I would take a PDP in 45 if, they, if it was available, but they don't have them yet. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen one of those yet. but Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think they're going to do it. So, But you, the PPQ 45s are still out there. That's not a bad solution. I mean, you're you're talking an empty weight of less than 30 ounces. Exactly. Uh, you're talking a uh, – it's got over a 4-inch barrel, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit over, yeah, but anything that's 45 is going to be a, a little bit bigger than that, or it's going to be well, a brick. Have, yeah, it almost has to be. I mean, because I mean, look, look at the Glock 30s. They're, they're it's literally like trying to fire a brick. <laughs> that's true. It's a, it's kind of a big hoss, but still, that's that's a nice gun. I like the PPQs. Uh, they, well, the, the only thing that would that could beat it out, and it's one of the another thing that I just flat out can't find, just because they're not really manufacturing at the moment. Is I would take a, a P320 Sig in 45, but that being said, they're just not. I was going to say, good luck, sir. Yeah. <laughs> So when I saw when I saw that the PPQs were popping up out there, that's when I kind of went, ooh, that could be a good idea. That is pretty cool. Uh, PPQ is a fine firearm. I I love. Walther's uh, pistol designs and and defense designs they are they're excellent. If I if memory serves, that's a twelve round firearm. Yes, um, it is well, forty five. That's actually pretty good too. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's almost that's that's pretty much twice what you get out of a nineteen eleven. Uh, it's probably a little heavy when it's loaded, but still, you know what? That's fine. Um, it's it, that, that's a nice rig. That's a nice ring. Have you, I mean, you see, you said you've seen them popping up. Do they have one at the store or are you just looking online? Uh, one of the places that I can order one from. Ooh, what are those going for now? Ish. Retail is about six. Man, that's steep. Still. Well, for man, 45, nice. that needs to be because quite frankly, the other ones I've been seeing popping up go for seven to eight. Like if I want, like if I wanted to, if I wanted a CZ, that's going to go from seven to eight. I was going to say the CZ is more expensive. I mean, hell, even a, a Springfield 1911 and 45 is um, not not a cheap thing right now. Nope. If you can find one, because most people snapped them up and then started doing all the mods to them to you know the ordering all the mods from Blackhawk and and everywhere else just to to put it right so that they they buy the frame cheap and then everything else that they really like they replace. You get about a $500 discount on a really expensive 1911. Those aren't cheap either. So yeah, maybe 600 is not bad. I I'm still going to stick with my Beretta, I think. It's not uh 
Well, I, as I said, I'd like a 45 that A, is not going to completely break the bank, and B, I, I just don't want a 1911 and I don't want a Glock. What? You don't want a Glock? No. <laughs> okay, I had a Glock 30 once. I didn't like shooting it at all. Nobody likes shooting it. It's terrible. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll fire underwater, and it's... You know, it'll never jam, and it's always, you know, but it's always a boring brick, too. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm i not a Glock guy. I know that's that's <laughs> blasphemy, but I'm not. I'm just. I'm, Wait a minute. To, to me, blasphemy? Well, no. I mean, to the general gun buying public. Hell, even Buona's, um nightstand gun is a Glock 19. I think it's a 19C. It's the compensated one. Gen 3 Glock 19C. Now it's modded out with everything. He replaced everything but the frame. It's it's a 1960, <laughs> which uh, is one of the other reasons why I don't like Glocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean if if you wanted to buy a, a system that you could modify the ever living hell out of, yes, fine, okay. But you're going to spend six seven hundred dollars on a firearm and then spend another six seven hundred dollars replacing the, the firearm. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I like the. I love this gun. I just want to replace. Everything on it, you know, which is great if you buy, uh, if you buy it specifically for that purpose. Case in point, uh, my Savage Axis. I bought that because I loved the platform. the The Axis platform is great because that everybody has a a mod or something else that you can strap to an Axis to make it whatever it is you want. So if you want to make it instead of a hunting gun, you want to make it a target gun. You can just completely reformulate the thing and make it into a target gun from a generic hunting gun. If you want to make it a super hunter, you can do that too. It's very modular in on purpose so that you can do that. A Glock is not modular on purpose. <laughs> it was designed to be like this. You will need nothing else. And then everybody goes, yeah, but I don't like uh, everything else about it. The trigger of the sights. The, the trigger of the sights, the slide, the barrel, the magazine, you know, really uh, any of it. I mean, they replace everything. So what? <laughs> what was so special about it? Um, you might as well just do an AR build, you know, uh, just start with a lower <laughs> Well, actually, you can do that with a Glock, though, a Gen 3. Yeah, no, a Gen 3, you, you can, can totally do that. You can go out and buy the ever-loaded ghost gun, <laughs> otherwise known to the rest of the world as a Polar 80. With New York, uh, I don't think they've decided. Has SCOTUS decided on the uh, New York? No, they've actually been deciding on things with regards to COVID that we'll talk about in the, in the, the, the following cast. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I, I know they did that, and it, that was... But they they heard the arguments for the uh, New York case before uh, they did the, uh, the mandate stuff, but I guess the mandate was a little higher a priority. But, yes. you know, with that happening, and about half the states now moving to constitution, constitutional carry... Well, it, it is very, very much divided just down the blue state, red state line, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, but you're still at about half and half, you know. Oh, no, no, yes. You're looking at a lot of registered gun owners. Uh, yeah, you're, 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 basically, middle America is armed and the coasts are not. Well, not legally armed, anyway. Legal. <laughs> I read something the other day. They said that in 2021, half, a full half of the homicides that happened in the United States happened in 2% of the counties in the United States. 
Yeah, I actually came across that article, too. And I'm like, let's try and guess what those are. <laughs> Chicago, Chica- Manhattan, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Got it in one, sir. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now, what else do we know? <laughs> and I live right smack in between two of those. <laughs> and what do we know about almost every one of those states? Uh, with the exception of Pennsylvania, they're all blue states that have really pissy firearm laws. Yeah, really heavy gun control. So now that with that said, the state of Pennsylvania actually has a really, really easy going with as far as firearms. The city of Philadelphia, on a, on the other hand, is completely different. Yeah, well, you could say that about most. Of, you know what? I don't think most of Pennsylvania claim Philly anyway. Uh, to be honest, they would really rather like trade for some other city. Well, most of Pennsylvania, if you actually get as far as like Lancaster out, they they, they consider themselves a suburb of Pittsburgh instead of Philly. And and and, and the worst part of it is Pittsburgh's four hours away from them, whereas Philly is forty five minutes away from them. But they still would look at rather look at Pittsburgh than Philly. I've been to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a lovely town. I like Pittsburgh. The most down to earth people you ever meet. Friendly as hell. Love that. I don't, I, I will not go to Philadelphia anymore. <laughs> it's, it's just like, nope, I'd rather not go. Thank you. Uh, not pleasant. But well, it, it's really nice when you start seeing ad, uh, um, videos of a broad daylight carjacking uh, in the middle of Manhattan and go, shit, I was right there three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you give the uh, go away or I'll shoot you vibe off. I'm pretty sure, you know, like like unless people talk to you and, and figure out that you're actually quite friendly, y- you don't give off that vibe. I'm not the most talkative human being under the sun unless you actually get me talking. Once you get me talking, it's kind of hard to I was going to say, I don't find up. that to be true at all. No, no. Once you actually get me talking, I'm very difficult to even shut up. In fact, people who know me are, are smart enough to know that I'm not offended by, dude, I, I, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, they do that to me on the cast all the time. Uh, but but yes, I'm either the scary, creepy guy in the corner that doesn't say anything or the guy you can't get to shut up. There really is no middle ground. <laughs> So it works to your advantage in Philadelphia, probably. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Philadelphia, but... D.C., you know. <laughs> yeah. I love it when you have the um, uh, the the younger people handing out pamphlets in the uh, streets of D.C. who look at me and just hand it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you want to hand it? No, not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they, you got the ones that do try to hand it to me, do, do you want to protect our voting rights? As I stand there and look at them and go, I, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> My wife said I'm not allowed to talk to people like you for fear. <laughs> for fear someone will call the cops. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine that. I and mean, that's all over in D.C. right now and some of the other places like that. But, you know, um, I do love the the fact that a lot of them are crying foul and are wondering why they their uh, the crime is high in their cities. And um, as they've defunded their police and tried to strip guns away from the citizens, uh, it's like, you know, I mean, say what you want about him. But Mark Robinson had it right. You know, it's like, let me tell you what's, who's going to have those guns. You know, you bring my I'll bring my guns down. I'll turn them in. But guess who's going to hold on to their guns? The criminals. They're going to shoot me with them. So, you know, to me, I I wish the states would pull their heads out and do constitutional carry all the way, um, all the way around. They're not going to. Uh, but. Uh, quite honestly, do you know do you know the biggest change in Texas uh, once we did constitutional carry? Um, nothing. Pretty much. Uh, that was 
<laughs> like, I mean, to to hear it on MSNBC and CNN, there's rolling gun battles every Monday, you know, on the way to work, and and it's just the most dangerous. Well, yes, state. but if you also listen to CNN and and those guys, that a, uh, a Eric McMahon complaining about a Pakistani prisoner taking over a Jewish synagogue has nothing to do with Jewish people. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> And gun violence has nothing to do with less cops on the street. Come on, Jake. Let's let's get get it together, man. <laughs> nothing. The two aren't related at all. Obviously. Obvious. Clearly. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait to see what Chacho brings. Um, actually, you know, when it's when all bills are told and and everybody's kind of brought all the aces out of the hole. I am. I am. If you look at who's actually coming, it's kind of interesting because they are. It, it is going on. Um, and people are going to, to go, but a lot of what you're seeing is, is in the stuff that you're being heavily advertised is not the firearms themselves. No, you've got a lot of ammo manufacturers. You've got a lot of peripheral manufacturers. You've got a lot of accessory manufacturers. You've got a lot of holster manufacturers. You've got a lot of ammo manufacturers who are all going, Hey dudes, we're going to be here. We've got something cool. And I hope they do, because uh, they we haven't had much innovation in the last couple of years, just because of you know there's been no one to innovate. Uh, but the shot show, as this is being recorded, is going on the January 18th through the 21st. So we'll probably have a cast on the other side of that, and uh, talk about some of the stuff that we saw and some of the highlights to go on and and what was going on. This is recorded, of course, before that. Uh, so we look forward to it. And uh, we hope you all do, too. And please go out and shoot and uh, learn to use your firearm, especially if you have a new firearm uh, or new to shooting in general. Uh, take it out. Go to a range. Learn how to use the thing. Take a class. Put a bunch of rounds through the thing or as many as you can afford. Uh, it's super fun. It really is. Uh, whether you're into pistols, rifles, or shotguns, it is great fun and i think a lot of america has lost that and uh that's one of the reasons i wanted to cast on this particular subject uh being firearms in the general because um we get caught up you know we really do we get caught up in in you know dangerous and conspiracies and and all the rest of the things that that uh modern media tells us to to think and really forget that this stuff is a lot of fun it really is so, uh, Jake, with that said, you got anything else, sir? I do not. Right on. We will see you guys next time. On behalf of Jake Bona and I, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you're interested in more content like this or podcasts, check us out at hawkseyeguns.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>